Well, let me let me tell us a quick story as we get ready to hear um, God's word. Uh, I was hanging out with um, our men's group on Wednesday night, and we were just kind of chatting. And one of the topics that came up was how um, some religious groups are looking at the state of the world right now. Um, they're looking at, you know, fires up and down the West Coast. They're looking at um, unrest throughout the nation. They're looking at threats of violence and they're saying, you know, is this the end of the world, right? Is this the end of the world? And I, I sort of started to give, you know, my theological spiel on the end of the world, which is a different sermon. And as Luke Bonham was listening, he goes, yeah, the world's not ending, just democracy, and then we just kind of shared a bitter laugh, right? <laughs> it's like, whoa, oh my God, the world's not ending, just democracy. And I think that that captured um, for me uh, this moment. Um, I, I don't want to rehash a lot of headlines um, because frankly, um, all of the nonsense that we're dealing with, all of the nonsense and all of the grief are really just a continuation um, of things that have been going on for 500 years in terms of oppression and violence in our land. Um, you know, maybe a reacceleration, unfortunately, of some things that had been paused or restrained that are, are now, you know, um, heartbreakingly regaining strength. Um, I, I didn't sleep well this week. I've told a number of my friends, particularly with the escalation of violence in our town, the the killing of a right-wing counter-protester by a left-wing protester, um, just and then the subsequent killing of uh, of that shooter by uh, federal officers, by U.S. Marshals, pardon me. I mean, it's just a horrible, heartbreaking mess. And it's all in the context of, like, much bigger problems. And so as we are aware of the reality of a systemic injustice that, that threatens to destroy life, as we're aware of the reality of a personal chaos in our lives or the lives of people we love that, that really destroys our foundation and makes us vulnerable to all kinds of evil, um, I just want to go ahead and validate that stuff and say, yeah, it really is that bad. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to indulge conspiracy theories, but I just want to say it's bad. It's really bad. Um, and so... That's the kind of space I was in when on Thursday morning, I opened Psalm 37. And I had an experience of God's word. And when our guest speaker fell through um, for this morning, I just thought, I think this is what I'm going to share. Um, so um, it, just a brief thoughts on the Psalms. Um, scholar Walter Brueggemann has some really good thoughts on the Psalms. Uh, he shares that there are psalms of orientation that basically say God is good and the world is good. Isn't it great? Psalms of disorientation that say the world is broken. God, please help. And psalms of reorientation that say the world is broken and yet we can see God's goodness in it. Um, so Psalm 37 um, or new orientation, I guess I call it reorientation. He calls it new orientation. Um, psalm 37 is a psalm of new orientation that says the world is broken and yet we see God's goodness. 
Um, so I've asked um, Steve to read the scripture for us. Um, if you've got your paper Bible, you're good to go. We're going to read Psalm 37, 1 through 18. It's also in the chat box if you want to follow there. But however we do it, let's go ahead and give our full attention to the reading of God's word. Psalm 37, verses 1 through 18. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bow to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose ways are upright. But their swords will pierce their own hearts, and their bows will be broken. Better the, la- the little that the righteous have than the wealth of many, of many wicked. For the power of the wicked will be broken, but mm. the Lord upholds the righteous. The blameless spend their days under the Lord's care, and their inheritance will endure forever. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. God, we don't want to be constantly overwhelmed and anxious, but part of us looks at the trouble in our world and says, it really is that bad. Thank you for the word that you have given your people thousands of years ago that still lives for us today. And I ask that as we go through it together, um, that it would give us guidance, that you would give us strength, that you would give us understanding of how we are to live in this moment. In all of these things, we pray, Spirit of God, speak through the word of God to the people of God. And we said together, Amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Steve, for reading. So, when it really is that bad, Like when it really is that bad, the people of God are called to live in response to God's goodness. When it really is that bad, the people of God can live in response to God's goodness. Now, let me qualify this a little bit because I'm not talking about a spiritual bypass. If you know what a spiritual bypass is, wave at me. Does anybody know what that is? Okay, yeah, okay, a a few folks, a few folks. Um, 
I just learned this phrase recently. Here's a, here's a definition. A spiritual bypass is the use of one's spirituality, spiritual beliefs, spiritual practices, and spiritual life to avoid experiencing the emotional pain of working through psychological issues. To avoid the emotional pain of psychological issues, that's a spiritual bypass. In other words, spiritual bypass is when we're using religion or spiritual language or the Bible or talk about God to ignore painful realities. For example, I just suffered a heartbreak in a relationship, but it's okay because it's God's will and I'm fine. I'm not sad. Another example, there's a terrible injustice of the world. Yes, there's this horrible racist system. Yes, there's environmental catastrophe and all this stuff. But I'm not worried about it because Jesus is coming back and he'll fix it. If you find yourself or someone you're listening to talking that way, you can go ahead and pray that Jesus would come back and fix that theology. Because nothing... Uh, could be more different than what Jesus shows us. The life of Jesus, he is, uh, the theological word is incarnated, right? He puts on flesh and he lives and, and, and we see him in the accounts of his life living through and wrestling with the painful psychological realities that confronted him. But it's not just Jesus. He is the embodiment of God's word, God's ancient and eternal word. So we can see this same practice in Psalm 37. Psalm 37 is not a spiritual bypass. What it is, is good news for a bad situation. But it is not just good thoughts. It's way beyond thoughts and prayers, y'all. It is intensely practical good news that results in action and strengthens us to be part of long-term change. It is intensely practical wisdom on long-term participation in the healing work of Jesus in creation for ourselves and for our world. If that sounds like good news, I know we're not in church, but could you just wave at me so I can imagine you saying amen? Amen. That's a good amen for me. I appreciate that. So when things really are that bad, um, what can we do? We can hear the good news. We hear the good news. Psalm 37 is full of good news. And this is the part where I want us to work with the text together. Uh, You can look in the chat box if it's helpful or look in your Bible. But look at Psalm 37 verses 1 through 18 and throw some things in the chat there. Where do you see good news? I want to see what y'all come up with. Let's go ahead. Uh, you can type out your answer or you can copy paste from the chat. But just let's start listing them together where everyone can see. Where do you see good news? <laughs> Mac and cheese and fruit salad and peanut butter sandwiches. Amen. I'm, you know what? I need to clarify. Evil will eventually wither. Thank you, Susan. Yeah, Pete sees it in every verse. Amen. Me too. Me too. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's walk through the text here. Your vindication will be like the noonday sun. Amen, Sharon. I remember hearing that when I was in uh, in high school, and I was really stressed out about some kind of uh, some kind of controversy. And Dad, you actually shared that scripture with me. Your vindication will shine like the noonday sun, and it was. 
It was a Holy Spirit moment for me. Yeah. Good news, good news. Anything else? Any more good news that we see in there? Ooh, Tyler says their swords will pierce their own. Um, evil cannot help but self-dissemble. Amen. That is good news. When we are wondering, you know, this season of unrest has had me wondering, oh, you know, was Dr. King really right about nonviolence? You know, was Senator John Lewis, uh, sorry, Congressman John Lewis, was, was he really right about nonviolence? Were, were the disciples of Jesus really right about nonviolence? Um, Psalm 37 says, oh yeah, yeah, swords will pierce your own heart. Um, the power of the wicked will be broken. Amen. Amen. Uh, <laughs> oh, I like this. The Lord laughs at the wicked. Yes, it's so ridiculous. Let's just laugh about it. Let's laugh. Amen. So much. You know what? Keep your eyes uh, on this chat. There's great stuff in here. The lowly will possess the land and, and live in peace. Amen. This thing is popping with good news, right? This thing is popping with good news. This is like an antidote to my anxiety. This is like an antidote to my sleeplessness, my worry, and, and, and just the ways my brain just gets wrapped around this, the axle and just like repeats itself. Um, you know, so verse 1 through 8, it's got like several do's and it's got several don'ts. And then by the time you get to verse 9, 9 through 18, it's just pure vision. There's no commands. There's no advice. There's just wild hope for the future. I love it so much. And the one uh, verse that has gotten stuck in my head in recent years, it's become like almost a, a mantra for me. I don't really know if I'm using that right, but, but I say it to myself all the time. And it's this, a little while and the wicked will be no more. A little while and the wicked will be no more. As wickedness is revealed I am saying to myself over and over again, a little while and the wicked will be no more. And even though I've read Psalm 37 many times on Thursday morning when it came up in my devotion, that was the text. That was the verse that just stood out for me. It's here I am worried, you know, will another caravan of armed people come into our city to threaten violence and provoke violence? And the word says, a little while and the wicked will be no more. Family, we are in the midst of a national reckoning with the reality of white nationalist patriarchal abuse. I'm sorry to use so many buzzwords. But in the midst of that, we need to recognize that those evils are sown into the foundation of our country and are still forming it today. 100 days of protest in Portland, unrest around the nation, and it's not just about George Floyd, and it's not just about Breonna Taylor, and it's not just about Jacob Blake. It's about 500 years of oppression and violence in this land that is contrary to the word of God and contrary to the way of Jesus. And it is about the church God's holy, beloved, precious church providing a theological justification and a spiritual bypass to ease the consciences of those who perpetrated and us who benefit from these things. And this national reckoning for the church, for the people of God, is about whether we will say no 
to white nationalist patriarchy and whether we will say yes to Jesus. And it is being revealed to us at this time. Uh, We are experiencing an apocalypse. Apocalypse, just reminder, does not mean the end of the world. Apocalypse means unveiling. It means we begin to see things as they actually are. And in this particular apocalypse, there are actually apocalypses happening all the time. There have been many for thousands of years, and there probably will be many more in our future. But this particular apocalypse, what is being unveiled is that white nationalist patriarchy is an idol to which too many Americans are willing to sacrifice our commitment to Scripture and our loyalty to Jesus. And just a reminder for the folks at home, I don't have to be white to be a white nationalist. And I don't have to be a man to uphold the patriarchy. Okay, Empire always offers to break off a piece to marginal peoples if we'll play their game. But for that, that's a different talk. Sorry, that's a different talk. I'm like, <laughs> um, regardless of our identity markers, we all have a choice about whether we will work for or against justice. We all have a choice about whether we will move towards or away from God's vision for creation embodied in Jesus. And for oppressed people and for those who love the oppressed, for anybody who is discouraged and dismayed about how tightly our nation's ears are shut to the cries of those who are suffering, it is wonderful news that in a little while the wicked will be no more. That is about tears of relief. That is about clapping our hands. That is about jumping up and down and saying, Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. And the songs of celebration that emerge from a tradition like, for example, the Black Gospel Church. That's what that's about. That's about the world is broken, but God is not going anywhere. In fact, God is on the move and the world is on the mend. That's the good news that we need to hear. And I encourage us to fill our ears with it. I encourage us to fill our eyes with it. Don't detach from the world. Don't disengage from loving our neighbors and following Jesus, but fill our souls. Let our souls be filled with the art and the poetry and the narrative of Scripture and the very present work of God in the world. Because what that will help us do is that will help us work for justice and live our lives non-anxiously. Non-anxiously. I think anxiety is one of the most dangerous forces at work on planet Earth. I think anxiety is driving violence towards others. I think it's driving violence towards ourselves. And I think that's true regardless of my theology, regardless of my political ideology. But when I start to hear the good news of God's word, I recognize there's this invitation to live non-anxiously. So the psalm starts with this negative command, right? It starts by telling us not what, like what not to do, which I know is everybody's favorite when someone walks on the scene and says, don't do that. Um, and yet Psalm 37 says exactly that. Um, let's see, what's it say? Uh, it talks about um, anger and anxiety. Actually, this word fret, um, do not fret, hara, it describes being hot, uh, being kindled. So that's kind of a sense of, I'm elevated, I'm anxious, I'm, I'm on the verge of anger. 
And the Word tells us that if we allow those feelings and those impulses to motivate our action, we're going to get bad results. And it's so important that the psalmist actually uses this phrase, do not fret, three different times. Right? There it is in verse 1. Do not fret because of the wicked. Okay, okay. But what if the wicked succeed in their wicked plans to do wicked things? I'm going to get you with verse 7. Do not fret over those who prosper in their way, over those who carry out evil devices. Okay, I hear you, but what if things are just really, really bad, like I couldn't imagine it getting this bad, and now I'm really, really upset? Did I friggin' stutter? Verse 8 says, do not fret. It only leads to evil. The good news of God's word tells us that the fate of creation will not be determined by what we see in the news or even what we see in the street. The fate of creation has already been determined by God's commitment to love the world and to heal the world right now and not stop healing until the world is fully healed. So do not fret. Action motivated by anxiety uh, will not lead to good. It will lead to evil. Look, the escalation of violence, the killing of one protester by another is a case in point. One troubled human killing another troubled human, both of them white, and then getting killed by, by law enforcement. It, it, it didn't help black lives. There's a lot of tragedy in there, but I'll say it that way. It didn't help black lives. It did not help people of color. It did not help. It just continued. The cycle of violence took the attention off of where it needs to be in terms of progress and reform and systemic change. That's a dramatic example. And may God protect us all from moments like that. But I can tell you that whether we're talking about marriage or friendship or, or church leadership or community service, community organizing, um, whatever we're talking about, action motivated by anxiety does not lead to good things. And if the church is going to have any witness in this anxious, anxious age, the followers of Jesus must be a non-anxious people. I invite you to pray with me that the Holy Spirit will make us a non-anxious people. Help us offer our anxiety to the God who is healing the world. Help us interrupt our anxiety. Help us to take every thought captive. Plead with the Holy Spirit to come and make our minds new, to renew our minds. This means that if I catch myself, if we catch ourselves getting anxious, when we notice uh, that we're doom-scrolling, and not breathing, that we're rage cleaning and our hearts are pounding, that we're binge watching or like all the binges, just any binge. Um, let's notice that. Let's notice that. Let's interrupt ourselves. Let's ask the spirit to interrupt it. Let's breathe deeply. Seriously, it's just so good. We breathe deeply and we remember God's word in a little while. In a, just a little while, the wicked will be no more. So that's what not to do, right? Do not fret. So what do we do? Uh, because I, I would also like to do something. And, and you know, God did actually make us to do things. We can do things. 
what do we do when things are really that bad? We live in response to God's goodness and we live into God's vision for humanity. I'm just going to run through the list of commands in this text. This text uh, gives us the directions. Trust in the Lord. Do good. Take delight in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. We're commitment phobic. That's hard. It's like, no, you know, put some skin in the game. Commit your way to the Lord. Love till it hurts. Keep your word when it's hard. Commit your way to the Lord. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for God. Oh, it's so hard to be still. It is so, and and even I find when I make my body still, my heart can still race, my neck can be tight. Uh, You know, so it, it just takes a little bit of commitment to slowing down and breathing deeply as I'm able where I am. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. What I see in Psalm 37 is a picture of wholehearted commitment to God. Not simply to trust God with my mind and say, you know what, Jesus is coming back. He's got it. I'm sure it's going to be fine. But also to trust God with our actions. You know, because Jesus is coming back, because the meek will inherit the land, because the wicked will be no more, I'm going to love my neighbor today. I'm going to take the opportunities that I have to sow peace and justice, whether that's by breaking down isolation and taking an interest in the people who live on my block, whether I know that you know some of you are getting involved politically in different ways to you know donate to com- campaigns that you believe in or to make phone calls, um, whether that's serving tangibly, trying to get some libraries set up in this neighborhood. It's a picture of wholehearted commitment to God, but it's contemplation that's, uh, sorry, it's action that's guided by contemplation, right? Reflection on the presence of the Holy Spirit and not just that, but joy in who God is. Delight yourself in the Lord. Like have some fun with it. Like laugh with it. Like include a good meal. Include some people who make you smile. Delight yourself in the Lord. Um, You can see behind me, I always have this here. And I'll just bring it up to the camera, I guess. This is a picture of the Holy Family, right? We got Jose, we got Maria, we got Jesus, the baby. And um, it's, uh, it's Persian art. It's from an Iranian artist, actually. And I keep it uh, up in my prayer spot as a reminder of God's vision for humanity. I keep it around because this speaks to me about God's desire for humanity. God's desire is for vulnerable babies, right? Including immigrants, including refugees, including brown children, to be safe, to be safe, to be held by people who love them, to experience the the holy light of God and the spirit of God moving all around them. God's desire is for mothers and fathers and everyone who faces overwhelming circumstances to discover that God is with them so very close that you could hold and be touched by God. For all of us to know that God is offering us a beautiful future, a beautiful future of abundant prosperity and a rich and deep experience of God's presence.
And that means whether we're preaching, whether we're demonstrating, whether we're participating in anti-racism workshops or cooking dinner, doing laundry, working in the garden, going to recovery meetings, laughing with friends. We want to live into God's vision for humanity. An image of human flourishing, an image of human well-being for the most vulnerable and for all. And our clearest picture of human well-being in the face of injustice is in the man from Nazareth who faced so much injustice, but persisted in loving his neighbors, persisted in bringing those who had been pushed to the outside into the center of the family, persisted in offering the love of God to those who wanted nothing to do with it, persisted to the point of his death on the cross, persisted to the point of saying even of those who abused and murdered him, God forgive them. They don't understand what's happening. He remained committed to the holy vision for humanity. He remained committed to you and me when we struggle to keep that commitment. And he sends us now his spirit, the same spirit that raised him from the dead, to lift up our hands, to love our neighbors in this work, to lift up our hearts so that our trust and joy and delight in God will increase. I'm going to pray in just a second, but let me just ask us, where are we struggling with worry? Where are we struggling with worry? And in the midst of that worry, what good news Might God speak into your experience of anxiety? And in the midst of that worry, what is something we might do to live into God's vision for humanity? And as we wrestle with those questions, know that by the Spirit of God, Jesus Christ longs to live that life in us and through us. And that's good news. Let me pray for us. Let's pray together. Jesus, it really is that bad. And yet the word says that you laugh at the wicked. You're not afraid. We don't want to be afraid either. We want to be happy about who you are. We want to be happy about the place you've given us to live and the people you've given us to love. We want to delight ourselves in you. And we want your vision of humanity to find a place in our lives. We want to find ourselves living into that and experiencing that. Finding that we and our neighbors are surrounded by the holy light that brought the universe into being and desires well-being for all. So Spirit of God, help us today to walk in the way of Jesus, and we lift up the great systems with which we contend, we lift up the powers and principalities, and we speak to them, and we say, a little while and the wicked will be no more. 
Jesus Christ is alive and he will undo every oppressive system and he will heal every sickness and every brokenheartedness. And to his name we give glory, to his name we give honor, in his name we put our hope. And we do all of these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.